What's up and welcome into Lead Block. Happy Tuesday night slash Wednesday. Happy after National Championship week. Uh, we're dropping a special episode today. Um, obviously because of the National Championship. We talked about doing that last week on, on the last episode. But first off, we're back in the studio. My name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, it's good to be back and see you face to face. It is great to be back. No Skype, no more Skype for for a while. Hopefully, Skype was great. It got us through uh, the break and stuff, and and being out. But it it does have its faults. <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump right in. So, national championship in New Orleans, really good. I the first thing we'll kind of go step by step through the game and like everything around it, uh, and then we'll just talk about a bunch of the storylines throughout the game and stuff, but. The first thing that kind of shocked me is Brendan and I had the the pregame on, um, and Nick Saban was on set the whole time, and then they had Jimbo Fisher on set, and I know Nick has done this in the past, but that's still so weird to me, how he goes on, like, they would have any coach who is active go on a pregame show for the national championship that they're not playing in. And basically be a you know like an an extra host for the yeah. for the whole show. Yeah, whenever I saw it, we were at Wild Wing Cafe in Sandhills. Shout out Wild Wing. But anyway, we were there. And I see Nick Sam, but I'm like, oh, that, that didn't expect to see that one. I've seen it a couple times in years past, but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, well, I'm not playing in this game, so I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll go be an analyst or a personality or a commentator, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Nick. For what it's worth, Nick, he. So we know how he is in the media with his press conference, or his press conferences. But Nick does a very good job of separating um, press conferences slash like in season football stuff from doing media because he's always been very open to doing stuff like this. And uh, Bel- well, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's easy to relate him to Belichick, uh, and then but it's the same thing with Bill Belichick is. In press conferences, they're very, very strict about their own teams. They don't want to tell you much. But pretty much outside of that, like, he'll, he'll do whatever. Like, he's in Aflac commercials, which is strange to me. Yeah, very odd. Um, I think the Aflac's the strangest thing he does. He's with – he's done these panels multiple times. Um, When he's on at SEC Media Days, when he's, like, he'll go on the Paul Feinbaum set or the SEC Now set or whoever they have set up there on the SEC network. He'll do that stuff, and it's not like, and he's not weird. It, it's just a two completely different media minds in his in his brain. Yeah, and it's weird to watch. Um, so I thought that was strange, but cool, I guess. All right, New Orleans. Just did you see the picture of the guy walking around? It's an LSU fan. He's he's naked basically, but he's got like tassels on his nipples that are purple. And they got, like, paw prints on him. And he's wearing, like, this thong. (laughs) But coming out of the back is this long tiger tail, like, just dragging the ground. Did you see that, dude? I did not see that. All right, I'm going to send that to you. Is, if you haven't, I know I liked it. So, if you scroll through my likes on Twitter, at TylerWalterCNR, you will find it somewhere. Um, Yeah, that was crazy. The, The LSU crazies were out, like, in full force. There's, I saw multiple videos Sunday night of their fans just surrounded by, or the the fa- their fans surrounding the band, bands playing Neck, uh, STTDB was trending like the number one trend on Louisiana in Louisiana. If you don't know what that is, I can't say it on this show, so you have to go <laughs> look it up. Uh, I think I retweeted a video of it of them chanting it inside of the stadium. Um, but yeah, just like crazy, super. It definitely was like an LSU home game. All the stars were out there too. You saw Odell Beckham along with a lot of other guys were out there. As oh well. yeah, I, I got a bone to pick with with Odell Beckham that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was crazy. Like just how many LSU fans? I can't imagine like Clemson fans going there and just being like, "What in the hell is going on?" Because at least Alabama fans. Like, there are some of those in Louisiana, and it's closer, and, like, they mix with those Cajuns, like, a lot. Like, every, I mean, every year, they play each other every year. And, like, they kind of got it the last time that they played in the Superdome for the National Championship in, what, 2011? 
was it? I want to say so. 2012, 2012. Okay. Yeah, yeah something like that. New Year's Eve, yeah. And then they, so they played a national championship there in, in the Superdome. So Alabama fans kind of get used to it. But the Clemson fans, like, you're coming, like, there are all these, like, people from the hills coming to the to the bayou, and it is just a different world. It was absolutely nuts. We created some great videos. Even when I, uh, even as a South Carolina or everyone, I was looking, and whenever they scored a touchdown, they went to, like, the band and the dance, and I was like, this looks very New Orleans-like. Oh, yeah. Almost like, uh, what's that holiday they have there? Uh, Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras. It looked very Mardi Gras, even, like, their college, I guess that's their dance squad or whatever. Like, oh, oh, yeah, they're, they're very, yeah, LSU's always been, like, very, like, French, like, Cajun French, centric, yeah. like, yeah. And uh, I saw I saw a tweet, which was very interesting to me. Um, so, Coach O was walking off the field last night, and I saw a tweet from another reporter. A reporter comes up to him. He's by himself. Uh, not, a, not a news outlet familiar to any of the other media around. Um, walks up to Coach O, asks him a question. Guy doesn't speak a lick of English. He's French. All he writes, he's just a complete French person, or a French-speaking person. Coach o looks at him, smiles, gives a full interview in French, which kind of shocked me. Wait, what? That Coach o knew French enough to be able to just have a full conversation. Because I don't, like, that's a culture shock to me. So I know, like, obviously Cajun history is, like, a mix of Louisiana was settled by the French. And there's strong, strong French French influences in uh, Louisiana. I would say uh, Louisiana is far more French than probably any other place in the U.S. and definitely far more French uh, than it is, like, English influence uh, because of how it settled in the 1700s. And it was great, but it still shocked me that Coach O, like, knew the French language enough to give a full, like, conversation interview style. Like, I... That was kind of weird to me. I wonder, like, now that, that like, interests me and in how much, like, not only, like, people around speak French, but how he spoke, what languages he spoke growing up, and how different we perceive, like, the Louisiana to be than to, like, it's actually got a lot more French influence than you would even think as far as day-to-day things. Yeah, even me sitting there thinking about it, it's like, I, Coach O with that voice is like, and I took French for three years, I'm definitely no expert, but like, Jamal Pell, like, I can't even imagine Coach O doing that, but yeah, it's crazy to think about. Definitely don't expect a football coach. I seen, did you see a thing with Kobe Bryant, uh, Luke, uh, was that Luke Donovich or something like that was taken? Yeah, the guy yeah. from Dallas. Yeah. He's like on the he's about to inbound the ball and Kobe starts talking to him in his language. Like, who is that guy? And it's like, so you see that sometimes, but it seems like it's coming more and more common as far as like reporters from different countries or they speak different languages so they can broadcast it back to their own country. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, well, and like it shocked me that it was yeah, here you have like a French reporter covering college football. Yeah. Uh because that's the most far off sport. Uh Conor McGregor, they had Conor McGregor on the pregame show. Um Reese Davis asked him a question about who he was taking because he's got the big tiger tattoo on his abs. And obviously we had tigers versus tigers. <laughs> McGregor was just like, I, he basically said, uh, I just like the tiger. It's a majestic animal like this and that. And he was like, I'm not picking or whatever, but like that. So that's the typical, like European, like in Europe, like college sports, like Brig, And like, I can't imagine any reason Conor McGregor would ever keep up with college football. Yeah. I know he, might, like, does some stuff with, like, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys and, like, keeps up with a little NFL enough to, like, be able to make a pick. But I can't imagine any reason why he would, um, wouldn't make a pick on this game last night. But he was on because he's promoing his fight for next, is it this, it's this Saturday. Um, yeah, we gotta talk about that. We'll talk about that on Friday's show. But, yeah, he was on pr- promoing his fight. But that was, I mean, just kind of weird that they had it. But we get into the game now. We start the game. Clemson immediately goes. So they get they, they have to punt first drive. Excellent. Like, the first three or four possessions, defensively and special teams-wise for Clemson, could not have gone any better. Yeah, exactly. I was looking at it kind of like uh, the Kansas City Chief thing for L- on the, from the LSU perspective. Like, okay, when are we going to get going? Okay, when are we going to get going? And I had some money on this game. So I was like, I really need us to get going. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then so I don't fast forward a little bit. So then whenever Trevor runs in for the touchdown, it's like, okay, cool, cool. Then T. Higgins goes on that reverse 
in which he scores, and it's 17, I think it was 17-7, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right, guys. Like, I, I wasn't worried, but I was kind of like, and I'm at this bar, too, so everybody's kind of yelling. I got on the purples. They're really trying to get after me. Okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and get going on it. But, yeah, so 17-7, I knew it was going to happen. I knew they were going to click. It was just win. Yeah, uh, they, they clicked. Like, I I got to say, like, I started to wonder about LSU a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking back on their season, and I'm like, man, when have they – in a big game, been down at all, really, yeah. had to come back, and is Burrow gonna respond to this, like, like you said, that big, that T. Higgins play, that well, that was a big play. He threw that From, defense, I think he ran over that defensive back, and that defensive yeah. back is probably gonna be a first or second round pick. Yeah, and the, so they, they come through, and I'm thinking, oh crap, Clemson's up by 10 already, like, LSU needs to score, like, now. Yeah. And they did. Um, and then Joe Burrow went off in the second quarter or the end towards the towards halftime. They scored 21 points yeah. like very quickly to go up pretty big at halftime. But, uh, yeah, that, that just kind of, I don't know. It, it was a weird start, but I guess it's kind of what I expected, but I didn't expect it at the start. I, I thought this game would have started off. Both offenses come out, boom, boom, seven, seven. And then we see the defenses kind of settling and you see a few drives like what we saw. Uh, at the start of the game, I didn't think it would be a stifle to start with, but LSU, to their like, they could not get the ball out of their own end zone, and I think Clemson scoring, like when Clemson scored, like I was like, okay, this this could be helpful for LSU just so they aren't stuck all night playing playing under the shadow of their own goalposts. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was noticing that both teams really did a good job of downing that ball within the five. Whenever it was usually you have a mistake or so, wherever they got they let the ball go into the end zone, but it was just like, oh my gosh, your field position here is horrible. And I it felt like Clemson was gonna get a couple sacks on Joe Burrow that made the safety, but he always just found a way to get like at least one yard out of. Yeah, the end he zone. was close uh, multiple times on on both of their possessions. That, inside deep and then Clemson does go on the score and like I said like I kind of like if you're LSU you're like all right like so what like it helps us get out if you're the offense you're like whoo take a breath like now let's go because we have some room to breathe and we can open up our playbook more than just like try to push it out a little um so we have some space to 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 margin for error uh and and then yeah like LSU um ends up responding pretty quickly and, and then by the end of the first half it was it was looking big like all-time LSU uh and then they, you go into half oh real quick before you go there though uh one thing that LSU was doing well Clemson's defense was doing really well at the beginning of the game was they were blitzing that middle linebacker or what's his name 11 Isaiah Simmons yes and so it was happening it was like it took LSU a second to be like how are we going to get and then with them being so so close to the end zone, they couldn't even run the screen plays like that. Because if you have to run that screen and it gets intercepted, obviously it's an easy pick six. But it took them Joe Brady and uh, Insminger, that's his name? Uh, Greg Amsinger. Yeah, it took them a minute to figure out how they were going to do that. Yeah, I was a good, yeah, I think so. So it was a, it took them a minute to figure out what they were going to do. But once they figured out their solution to that, it started running a little bit of the quarterback draws and obviously the screens, they were able to get stuff going. Uh, yeah, for sure. And oh, this, I'm glad you paused me and going to the second half. So, how much were you looking at Twitter during this game? Because I'm a big, like, anytime there's a big game on, like this, SEC Championship, whatever, big South Carolina game, I'm on Twitter pretty much the whole game. Yeah. How much were you on? Usually, I love being on Twitter. My church was supposed to be doing 21 days without social media or anything but gospel music. I'm not doing good. And it's a fast. I'm definitely not doing fast. I'm not doing <laughs> I'm not doing well on the gospel music. But I'm trying to stay off of Twitter. So actually I wasn't on it, but I could only imagine because everybody else was talking about like my gosh, but you know, trying to do it right. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get on Twitter and then the first I see one tweet about Xavier Thomas from a Gamecock fan. And then about three or four minutes later, I see another Xavier Thomas tweet from a different Gamecock fan. Yeah. And I see another one. And then I see another one. And then I see start seeing, like, these large, like, South Carolina blogs, like Gamecockology. Or I didn't see the Spurs Up show say anything about it. I might have just missed it. I'm sure uh, he did. Um, and then some, like, Rubber Chickens, I think, I saw post something about it. And all of these big Gamecock Twitter personalities that have a decent following start tweeting about Xavier Thomas not taking any snaps at all, and the Clemson is covering up um, Xavier Thomas selling. I don't know how it jumped to this so quickly, but it immediately jumped to Xavier Thomas definitely sold all the things 
that he got from the Fiesta Bowl that they yeah. played. So you get gifts if your team goes to a bowl game. They give each player a gift. And you can't sell them. That's an NCAA violation because everything is. And I just, uh, Gamecock fans are like, Xavier Thomas definitely sold his PlayStation or whatever they gave him. Like he's He committed an NCAA violation. Clemson's trying to throw it under the rug. No one's saying anything about it. We're not going to let it die. Hilarious. Had me like <laughs> cracking up the whole first quarter. Like I love – I'll. I loved it. Like the sleuths on Twitter were out last night, like immediately. And I'm like, yeah, I hadn't really noticed until that point that Xavier Thomas hadn't played. But by the third, fourth, fifth defensive possession for Clemson, you like Xavier Thomas hasn't taken a snap. Like he's still on the sideline with his helmet off. Um, Did he end up taking a snap? Yeah, he come. He comes in the second quarter, and it's funny you ask that because that's what kind of impact he made all night. Like he didn't. LSU did a great job shutting him down. Didn't hear anything out of him. Uh, the only time I saw Xavier Thomas on screen where number three was in my face was when they panned over him because a player was injured behind him. Yeah. And he was just standing between the injured player and the camera angle, uh, in the in the camera, in the shot. That's about all you saw of Xavier Thomas. Um, and I, it's – so this Gamecock Twitter – back to the Gamecock Twitter thing with him selling his whatever and, and Bowl sitting the first quarter – so nothing is said throughout the broadcast that I heard. Nothing said at halftime. Um, but this morning I checked the state, and one of the top stories I see is Xavier Thomas suspended for first quarter. So he Xavier Thomas told the state this morning or either last night that he wasn't allowed to play for a team disciplinary issue. Uh, so who knows what that is? Um, who knows what if anything will come out of this? I can't imagine anything. Well, if it's only a first quarter suspension. Um, I can't imagine anyone out the ACC or anyone outside of Clemson looking into it. This first quarter suspension, maybe, maybe not. Um, and I don't know what's there, but yeah, that was just interesting that we didn't hear anything about it. And I found out from a bunch of, you know, internet sleuths, uh, <laughs> from, from who are, you know, fans of the Columbia area. The internet is undefeated, but I was definitely wondering what was going on there because, I haven't really been following him too much this season, but I know last year he had a really good season. Yeah, he hasn't, just, he hasn't done much this year. And it was crazy because maybe I was against the guys' backups because last year they had the dominant defensive line. So yep. I would have thought of any year the shot have been when he's a starter. But, yeah, I haven't heard much about him this year. And so I was wondering what was going on. There. I didn't realize the whole Twitter thing. Yeah, I, I would have. Uh, I thought Xavier Thomas was going to step out and be one of the most well-known defensive players in the nation yeah. this year, and he really hasn't been. Uh. Um, so there, I mean, we'll see what's to come from him next year, but I mean, this was the biggest recruit coming out of high school. I mean, he went to IMG, which made it even bigger when he transferred, like the stories from him leaving, where's he, he's from what? Sumter, right? Florence. Florence. Wilson High School. Okay. The, the stories from him leaving his high school that he went to, to go to IMG were massive. And when you think about how often you saw Xavier Thomas's name three, three, four years ago. When he was making that decision to transfer high schools <laughs> and how much you heard his name this year while he's at Clemson, uh, it's pretty crazy. But we're going to move on, not from the game itself. We're going to jump We're gonna jump around here. So we'll start with, with the T. Higgins P.I. at the end because that's the, probably the most controversial call of the game. Uh, so T. Higgins gets called, like, catches a bomb, like a 60-yard bomb. Touchdown, right? Yes, touchdown. Gets called back immediately for offensive pass interference. I watched it last night, and I wasn't sure. I went back and watched it this morning, and I don't – I'm I'm in the boat that it's not offensive pass interference, but I think if you wanted to call it, you should have also called defensive pass interference and let the penalties offset because there was definitely a hand fighting, like, all the way down, and there was a little bit of grabbing at the end. Um, and I didn't see Higgins do anything that the defender did not do to him in the same play. So I, I think that was strange, but here's the thing for Clemson fans. Um, if you're worried about this, you're down 17. It's in the fourth quarter. Even if you do get that touchdown, I think uh, LSU kind of moves away from what they went to as a conservative playbook to run the clock out. Uh, and then they just let Joe Burrow throw another touchdown because at that point, like you, you weren't stopping him in the second half. They, their defense played a lot better than they did in the second quarter. Uh, but not like, I mean, I, I think Burrow could have scored at any time he wanted to in the fourth quarter because, I mean, they that's just what they've done 
over the last several weeks is just if they need a touchdown, like they're just gonna throw one. So and that's how I was looking at this at this point in the Clemson game. So I don't know if it helps you at all if you score, you lose by ten instead of seventeen, I think is the only outcome. Um and then you, if you're a Clemson fan, you can't complain about any controversial call after what happened in the Ohio State game two weeks ago because you should have never been in this game because Ohio State cl- clearly picked up the fumble. Remember the fumble call we oh, talked about? Oh, yeah, 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 with Justin Take, Ross. Yeah, took it to the house. Clearly a fumble. That that puts Ohio State up, and Ohio State probably wins that football game. Because they got momentum, too. Yeah, and well, in there at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, Ohio State probably wins that football game, and Clemson's never even here. So I don't want to hear it from Clemson fans about the offensive PI when you're down 17 and it wasn't it wasn't really that big of a play. Um, it was a big play, but not you know not as big as other plays in this game. You so, can even see with the T Higgins after the play, it wasn't even like it was kind of like oh we got so much more to do. You know, usually guy catch a touchdown. It's like yeah, you know, it's kind of like yeah, it's like one of those things. A lot of times you feel like you lost the game. It's like I mean I did something, but what is that in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, I don't really think like Higgins. Also, the way he kind of reacted to the pass interference was like, I feel like he was like, yeah, I grabbed him too yeah, much because yeah. he didn't make much of a fuss about it. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to say that, but like, to be fair to him, I, I didn't see anything, like I said, I didn't see anything that Higgins did to the defender that the defender didn't do to Higgins. Yeah. So I thought you should have called it both ways. I think that was probably the best call. Or, I mean, if you're going to do that, just don't call it. If both guys do it, then they're going to negate it anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it's, that was... That was a little strange, but it didn't really matter. But the bigger thing that happened that people were really up in, in arms about was the uh, Sklasky targeting, and the, well, that was the first half. And I, I'm so sick. We, I know we talked about this last time. We talked about it in the Clemson game, in the Clemson-Ohio State game. Just, I saw Joel Klatt. I mean, I want to read what he said. It's gonna, funny that you said that because I went to go look up the hit again, and Joel Klatt is on the herd with Colin Gallagher today, and I cannot wait to watch it. Shout out Joel Klatt. Um, yeah, I got a, I got, I got a, quite some, some words for Joel Klatt. And then here. also, while you're trying to figure that out, uh, a lot of people didn't like. I love that crackback hit T Higgins had on that uh, long. I don't know if it was a long Clemson catch or was that a run. What was that? I think that was a tight end caught it. Brandon Galloway yeah, caught it. I love that hit. It's like not only are you not going to get there, I'm going to separate you from the guy that's running the ball. You're going to hit, go to the ground. They called that. Uh, what was that? Uh, Legal blindside block. I love the blindside hit. Like we're moving that from football. I hate it. But see, I think that was the. I think that was when you look back at it. That's one of the biggest plays of this game because. Clemson, like, that was a huge play. Yeah. And then they called for the illegal onside block, which is if this was the national championship played in 2019, is not a flag. Yeah. And Clemson probably, you know, comes wins this football game. If that doesn't, that's earlier in the game. Uh, that was a huge shift in momentum. And then they get called immediately for that. And, I mean, if you're the receiver there, who lays the blinds on block? You got to be way smarter than that. Yeah, you got, you, dude, you got to know this is a huge play. Like, I know it's so tempting just to just lay this guy out, but I also know for a fact you get told every day in practice, don't do that. Yeah. So, you you got to be smarter in the national championship. Yeah, I hate it, but I if it's in the rule book, you got to go what's in right, uh, what's in writing. But it was like, oh, but he's going to separate him from, him, then you get the penalty. By the way, Brandon Galloway is the appreciates with a G. Brandon Galloway, yeah, he is. was one of the guys who had been kicked out of last season due to whatever the that product or whatever. Oh, the Osterin. Yes, he was Clemson one of the guys giving their and, student athletes horse. And yeah, and so whenever he's able to come back, because I think he really he really just got put back into the lineup, whatever, allowed to play again during the playoff, and he's made a significant impact. I see him in a lot, which lets me know he's definitely the best tight end that they have. All right, here we go. Here's my bones, Joel Clatt. Uh, he tweets this last night after the, the targeting call. We have, we have, we have to include two types of targeting. One, foul without intent, player not ejected. Two, obvious targeting of opponent's head or neck, player ejected. Ejecting players for playing hard is stupid. This is where, like, this argument is so dumb to me. Like, I get what he's saying, that because he didn't intend it, like, it shouldn't be a tar, like, he shouldn't be ejected is this problem but i don't i don't care this we we all know 
that you don't intend to do, you don't intend to be called for targeting every single time. And Stephen A is just as guilty because he was planning about him getting ejected too. It's just like an outrage. You look just, I, I think that makes the two of them look so stupid for just like bringing, constantly bringing up like targeting every time in college football. It's some huge deal when a player gets ejected. It is the rule. You know the rule. Every team knows the rule. It is the same for every player across every school in the country that plays NCAA football. Right. In, in, in this, at this level. You lead, he led with the crown of his helmet. It was probably unintentional, but it happened, and the cost is being ejected. The rule is the same for everyone. He knows that. The purpose of the rule is to break that unintentional behavior that causes injury. So if you kick him out, he thinks the, the idea is that next time he thinks before he drops his head, and instead of unintentionally hitting someone in the face with the top of his head, which I, I think puts him in more danger than whoever he's hitting, um, the the whoever is making the hit, I think if you drop your head, it puts you in way more danger because you'll break your neck. You take them out of the game, so they in that instant, the hope is keep your head up, don't get ejected. And, and I think that's the point of the rule. And when people just complain about the rule over and over and over and over again, there are so many more things that college football needs to fix before they can even have this discussion if you think it's worth having, which I just don't. Like, I'm <laughs> completely fine with them ejecting. They want to change an inherent behavior. And if you do, and if you want to change an inherent behavior, you have to be very strict to get it through people's minds to where it's something they think about in a quick second. Because as it is, people don't think about that because it doesn't like, that just doesn't register naturally. It's like almost like, especially in this case, because I'm watching this hit on multi on replay. It's like they're kind of saving you from yourself. Like, yeah, uh, okay, absolutely. we're going to have to get you. Like, and I and he actually has a neck brace, which is interesting. But yeah, because when I watched the hit, because I saw it yesterday, but I didn't really, I'm really get it to see it now. It's like it's not even the fact because did he actually hit the guy in the head? No, it's just the fact that you're leading with this with so the crown like, of the helmet. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we're gonna put you in timeout here, and hopefully next time you'll learn not to do that. And it's got to be like kind of swift, I guess you could say. Because otherwise, it's like if you're kind of rocket, I'm gonna do what I want. Like I heard one NFL guy say, so he's like, I'm gonna keep hitting where I'm gonna hit, and it's like well, we're gonna keep finding you. Like because otherwise, yeah, I, no who, I don't remember who that was. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, it was okay. a prominent NFL player, and I can't, I cannot think of it. A lot of times, our linebackers are a little bit uh, hard-headed, so it's like, this is what we're going to inflict on you, because we can't find you, obviously, because it's not the NFL. Yeah, I mean, this is just something, like, it, it is just, I get pissed when people are just like, oh, why are you ejecting them? Oh, what, you are, the purpose of ejecting them is so that they don't do this again. If you flag a guy 15 yards, I mean, you flag a guy 15 yards of pass interference every time. Do people still pull pass interference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You flag a guy 15 yards every time for celebrating, like an excessive celebration in college football. Do they keep doing that? Yeah. Now, if you ejected them, would they keep doing that? Probably not. Especially if, you know, these guys are playing national championships. You're super passionate. You've probably been dreaming about playing this game your whole entire life. And to get kicked out of this, it means something to you. Yeah. By the way, this was the third quarter, about five minutes and 39 seconds left. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it was. So, this is just, I mean... I, I just, I don't, like, see a problem with it at all. I think to, to change a behavior this natural, you have to make such a strong, like, force against it, and that's the ejection. Yeah. Because it, you have to teach people to think before they're doing it while they're doing it. And kicking them out of the game, if a player goes to lower his head and he says, oh, crap, let me pick up my head, like, in the moment, like, that happens. I get plays happen so fast, but he drops his head at least a step before he gets to the player if he just keeps his face mask up and bites through him and bites the ball, he never gets ejected. Yeah. And there's no problem with the hit. I mean, I do have a problem sometimes. Like, I've seen players get ejected for coming up, like, straight in, and, and they get ejected just because they hit a little bit high. I'd rather get smacked in the chest. Like, you smack a guy chest up, going in face first into your chest, and which they've outlawed now, neck, shoulder, chest area, can't hit, head. I'd rather him come face mask into the chest than drop his crown and hit him in the knee. Yeah. You know, I, like, because you put yourself in so much danger when you drop that head. Like, this is why they're doing it, is to teach you to not do it. And I just don't see a problem with the ejection. I think fighting that is kind of the counterpoint. Like, the football, I think that's what trying people football is trying to get away from, is 
We're not fighting this anymore. We are doing this because we have a serious problem in our sport with concussions and CTE. And we know this is harsh, but that is just how it has to be because we have to make an effort to stop players from getting hurt, like injuries to the head. And we can link this, dropping your head, we can link this very clearly to concussions and problems later on in life. And we need to punish you severely for it so that we can protect you from yourself. Yeah, it's kind of like they're trying to embrace the change versus like go against it, like how they may have done before. Also, whenever he went out the game, Jake Venables came in, which I thought was funny. Cause that's yeah, that is pretty son. funny. It's Brent Venables' son, the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and uh, his other son, Tyler Venables, plays quarterback at Daniel High School, and he's coming to Clemson. I'm pretty sure it's next year, and he'll be a safe play safety. So okay, he's got an athlete, but when he gets to Clemson, he'll be a safety. But good players. I think Jake was a three or four star. And it's pretty sure his brother's a three-star. So, yeah. Yeah, they kind of owe uh, – I mean, Dabo definitely owes them to an offer for everything that Brent Venables has done for – Everybody's kind of starting to talk about Brent about being the best defensive coordinator in the country. Uh, yeah, I think Brent Venables has been the best defensive coordinator in the country for the last, I don't know, six years or so. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it definitely happened before they were winning national champions, championships. Um. Just their offense kind of caught up with their defense. I mean, Clemson's defense has been unreal since he's been there. Like, since he's built, like, a little bit of a reputation and started to pull in a little bit of recruits, like, immediately. Not just because they won a national championship did it good. Did it get good? I think in most ways, Clemson only got to a national championship because Brent Venables is so good. Yeah. I think if you – they've replaced offensive coordinators time and time again, and they've been fine. I think if you replace Brent Venables at any time now, like, you're done. You you That takes you – a huge step back. I did Brent and Clemson's Clemson knows that because they have they pay him the most of anybody in the country, any coordinator. Um Brent Venables gets to pay the most. Because he is the reason that they have their what, two two rings now in their closet. Well two rings in this in this yeah. little area here. Um and he is that reason, more so than any other coach on that staff. And like for example, for your defense to pretty much lose a whole entire, de- for you to pretty much leave a whole entire defensive line, and then your linebackers, and then the f- second round pick, I think, and Trayvon Molly at corner, and to still be this good, it's I think they had the number one. Or I want to get this right, they had the number one ranked scoring defense. Yeah, uh, Clemson was leading the nation in scoring defense, averaging 151 uh, yards per game. So for them to be able to do that without with losing all that talent, unless you know he's a really good scheme, and he rejuvenated the whole scheme from a normal four three to like a three, three I want to say three, three or three four, five, right? Three three five, one of the two. So yeah, great coaching there. I wonder how long he stays there. Um, I don't know. I've been wondering that for years. I mean, I thought he would have been gone immediately after their first national championship, but I I think now you're looking at least until. Unless he gets an incredible offer somewhere. Also, like, I don't know. I, I Look, I assume that Florida State would have the, the brains to call Brent Venables. Yeah. Um, That would have been, in the ACC, that would have been my number number one. Like, Brent Venables right now is my, would be my number one pick of a head coach anywhere. Yeah. So, if you want to pay someone a ridiculous amount of money, pay him. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he, like he is a proven. He has proven it. No one can prove anything from a coordinator standpoint like he has proven over the last. I don't know. Ever since 20, Kevin 30 Steele, years. Like, yeah. I mean, who has been as proven as as Brent Venables is right now as a coordinator? Muschamp was the only one who's even close, and I mean that didn't work out. So I don't, I don't mean to put Venables in that category. Yeah, or it doesn't seem to be working out. Let me say that. He's the only one who's even close, but he didn't have the success that Brent Venables is having right now. Yeah. So, I mean, he was – when you go back and look at some of Muschamp's defensive coordinator stats and his teams, they were unreal. Yeah. I mean, they were absolutely unreal. Oh, but yeah, the constant right. success – well, in LSU, the constant success that Venables has had in his recruits, I don't think anyone – you can find anyone as proven is as he is. Two national championships in three years, uh, like – I mean, every guy on his defensive line from last year is a huge force in the, on their NFL team right now. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's incredible. But we'll move on from that. We'll go into a little bit of LSU talk. So defense player of the game, uh, Patrick Queen, who got lit up on that blindside block, by the way. He was he was the one that got destroyed. Uh, six tackles and half a sack. He was, he was everywhere. Is that um, number eight? Yes. Yeah. Last night. So, or, yeah, Monday night. Um, But... Joe Burrow, obviously the offensive player of the game. One of his 
worst games completion percentage-wise. He was 31 for 49, so that's around 63%. 463 yards, 5 passing TDs, 14 carries, 58 yards, uh, 1 rushing touchdown. Struggled in the first part of the game, like we said, but I think you can put that all on field position. Um, He missed a throw or two. He also had a drop ball or two at different parts in this game. I know Chase and Jefferson each dropped one. Uh, multiple. Well, I think Chase dropped two that, or, or should have caught two that just looked bad, and they, they definitely should have caught them. And maybe that's a little bit of national championship jitters trying to make a play, which both of them did. I mean, Jamar Chase made plenty of plays last night. Nine receptions um, for 221 yards, and he dropped that long touchdown. So that's yeah. supposed to be – 10 receptions for, I would say, about 200 and eh, somewhere between 260 and 270. Kind of like a 30, 40-yard bomb. Yeah. And, and like, they, they were just more, like, they made more plays than they, you know, they made plays. And one thing but the drops, was, like, hurt Joe Burrow a little bit and helping him get his confidence early in the game. Yeah. There was just a few right there. But what were you about to say, Con? One thing to think about it was Jamar Chase was on Clemson. Well, Clemson's best corner, A.J. Terrell, was on Jamar Chase, and he made him look silly. Yeah. And then uh, Shannon Sharp had a good point. He's like, okay, if that's their best corner, who else can we get? I mean, I guess we could bring a safety down over the top or something. Because the Clemson safeties, Kavon, well, Nolan Turner almost had an interception that would have been did. huge. Uh, but uh, Kavon Wallace usually has a big games in these bigger games, and he actually didn't play very well. But, yeah. Uh, great day for Jamar Chase and not good. I was thinking about it. Who who is more important to be able to have like a quick memory, the quarterback or a corner? I want to say it's the quarterback, but I kept seeing AJ Terrell get dogged, and it's like, gosh, like you're on an island over there. You know what I'm saying you're by yourself. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think quarterback for like a you're talking like a quick forgetful memory yeah, of yeah yeah I I think quarterback is you throw a pick like you gotta come out next drive. You're a corner. You get like. If you're a quarterback, you have the whole team like on your shoulder. You're a corner, for the most part, it's one on one all night, and you're gonna get beat every now and then. Yeah. Um, but like you gotta just be like, all right, well, I only gotta beat this one dude. Let me beat him. Yeah. So I think you can motivate yourself back from that pretty easily, and even if you for like you can remember it. But if you're a quarterback, like you just gotta forget about stuff. Like you can't like you throw a pick like, hey, let's don't even worry about it. Because you can't have like a like a vengeance or like a vendetta against the other guy. Now I think if you're a corner, you can get a little bit of rivalry going. Yeah. And kind of like, all right, he just smoked me. Like now I gotta beat him, and you can remember that and build off of it. But I think for a quarter quarterback, you you kind of like, you just gotta forget it because you got eleven, ten other guys that depend on you to hand the ball off, throw the ball, whatever you gotta do, every single play, make the right reads. Like everything's on you. The whole offense is on you. So you gotta just be able to forget a mistake. I think a lot quicker than okay. you do the corner. Um. That would be my take on it. So, but, and then Burrow, like you said, we struggled, struggled to get in the first half. Once field possession opened up, I mean, they did struggle in that first drive after the Clemson TD, um, which I thought they were just going to throw like an 80-yard bomb and be done with it. Like, I thought they were just going to come out firing. Um, but they, Burrow lights it up at the end of the first half. Like, once the field position gets lifted, or flipped, um, he starts lighting it up. Finishes the season with 60 passing touchdowns. 5,671 yards and five rushing TDs. So 65 total TDs this year. Probably, I, I would say, the greatest college quarterback single season of all time. Okay. I don't, would you put this, and I don't think it's, McElroy was talking about it last night. Greg McElroy was talking about it on the SEC Network. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, I can't think of a single season that would be better. A Cam season. That's the only one I was thinking about, Cam. I think Cam would be close. I think Cam's single season, I mean, we've people have long said Cam Cam's single seasons were better than any single season of Tim Tebow's. Um, and I think he's the only other person that belongs in this conversation. Yeah. I, I So I think Cam's single season would be the only one close, but Burrow was, like, I think far more impressive. His numbers are far bigger. He's more of a traditional quarterback. Um, and it's cool to see the cams and stuff, like the guys who can run. But I think when you like, when you have a quarterback who can throw the ball, it makes it like like Joe Burrow can, and like the numbers he's put in, it makes it so much crazier. Because Cam Newton's just three inches taller and forty pounds heavier than a lot of the guys he's going up against at, right. while he was at Auburn. Yeah, and he can just run you over. I mean, Burrow's got to pick you apart. 
and, and like just make mental like passing the ball, you have to be so much more mental. And Cam was the same way. Like Cam made a lot of big throws in college. Same with Tebow. But like I think to me, a passing quarterback is just always like it, it's so cool to watch guys throw bombs. Right. And we're seeing it with Lamar threw a lot of bombs in the NFL this year. Like it's fun when when coaches let their quarterbacks throw bombs and young guys are like put all their trust in them and just give them full like ability to say hey or full controls like hey you can do this and he threw nearly 80% all year. Like that's ridiculous to me. And he's not throwing 80% checkdowns. Like he's throwing 80% throwing the ball down the field all year. Yeah, I just went to look at the stats of um, – it's crazy. So, Joe Burrow had six – if this thing is correct, he had yeah. 5,671 yards passing this year. 60 TDs. Yeah. To Cam had passing – Cam had 2,908, but obviously yeah. he, a lot of those things were running. Yeah, Cam – I mean, Cam's like – when you think of Cam, like, you don't think of his arm, even though Cam has an arm. Yeah. For sure, I mean, he's got cannon. Like, I wonder in, a, like, a distance throw-off how many yards – Cam would beat Burrow by. Yeah, I like if they're know. both standing on the goal line and you just throw a football as far as you can throw it. I think I'm taking Cam just because he's way bigger. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's just got like that. Like when Cam throws a bomb, it's incredible. But I don't like. It's that's interesting. So it's like he has Joe has four. I would like I'd expect a thousand or two thousand. We're talking about almost like four thousand more yards passing them. That's crazy. But obviously Cam had one thousand six hundred sixty two yeah. yards rushing. I guess it just depends. What did Burrow on, have this year? What two three hundred? Let's more. check it out. Uh, I know he had the 40-something last night. Yeah, he had 58, 58 yards last night. Yeah. Can't find it right I would, I would guess five to 600. Tops. Yeah. Tops. So, so I guess it all depends on uh, which style of like football you enjoy watching. Okay, yeah, he had 368 yards rushing. Okay. So it all depends on the style of football you like watching. Uh, I don't know. Uh, gosh, I'll tell you what. That LSU social media team has done an excellent job this year, too. Uh, that, that helps. That helps make them look a little better. But I still say, like, this is 60 touch or 65 total touchdowns. This is great. Like, in the, I mean, I'll talk about it in a second, but, like, he he beat everyone. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with, like, he beat everyone. Yeah. Everyone. The best of the, but the only team they did not play was Ohio State. And it was because Ohio State lost before. They didn't have the chance to. Yeah. Like, they would have played Ohio State, and I think they would have beat Ohio State. Yeah, because um, they, they end up beating everybody. The I mean, transit property, the big Clemson, so they beat Ohio State too. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah, it, it like that. That just I think that plays in the. This is the great. I I do really believe this is the greatest single season of a college quarterback we've ever seen, and probably will ever see. Yeah, you. I don't think you'll have anybody else go through. Like a lot has to happen. His receivers stayed healthy. A lot of things have to happen in order for him to be able to have a year like that. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see. Because even one of my, as a matter of fact, the professor I had before I came here, he's from LSU. He's like, we've had national championships. We've never had a quarterback doing no, like this. No, they've never had a quarterback. Like, well, I mean, Jamarcus Russell, but. Different. Yeah. And I mean, like, Jamarcus Russell was crazy. Crazy at LSU. I don't even like, I remember watching the games, but I remember watching through like 80-yard bombs like it was nothing. Jamarcus Russell, I mean, it was said that like in Raiders training camp, he camp, he would get on a knee at the, the goal line and he could throw a ball 80 yards. Like on his knee. That's crazy. That's insane. That's how I was watching this quarterback thing of James Franklin, right? Penn State. Yes. Uh, Josh Freeman went, was. I don't know where he was at. Whenever I think they recruited him to, I might have been Maryland. Anyway, Josh Freeman. He got to campus. He was six five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Whenever he first arrived as a freshman, and it was like he was huge. But the only problem was he depended on his arm so much that he didn't have the footwork and stuff. But once again, one of those guys get on campus and like these guys are massive and can throw the ball with pure arm talent, like seventy, however many yards. Yeah, it's just great. And Burrow, when you look back, I talked about some of the drop passes Burrow had. Burrow put a lot of balls on the money last night. Just absolutely. That touchdown to Jamar Chase, he could not have thrown a better ball. That's what they were talking about at uh, Wild Wing, too. It was like literally, they just have to run under it. Yeah. Every single I time. I mean, credit to receivers. They know exactly where the ball is going to be. Like, they yeah. don't even have to look. I'm like, it must be so nice to be Jamar Chase. Yeah. And just run out. Like, you got to think. And I know that receivers have told them this uh, because I heard Joe Burrow talk about it. Like, other receivers, like OBJ. And uh, Landry and other guys that have went there walked up to him and said, dude, if I had you when I was at LSU, I would have put up 8,000 yards. Yeah. Like, it just 
because you just have to focus on doing your job. Yeah, and then it's incredible. you know the ball's gonna be on the way. And did you see when Jordan Jefferson put that juke on uh Tanner Muse? When oh Tanner, my! Yeah, Brendan called that out immediately. Oh yeah, my god! Tanner did not touch him, and then he started running out of bounds. And I was like, oh, my. Jordan Jefferson. Uh, I think uh, that was every, like a three Stooges fall where yeah. he was just trying to hold himself up. Like they're both shifty, but Jordan Jefferson has done that a couple times this season. I'm like, oh my goodness, he's like, a, he's quicker than I think he's a bit quicker than fast. I think Jamar Chase, because I notice a lot of times on those deep balls, Jamar makes like one move, he kind of stacks back on top of the cornerback, and it's a uh, good night. And then, like you said, the ball's gonna be right there wherever he's expecting it today. Yep. All right, so I will say greatest college season of all time. I don't, I mean, there's some that are close, but I, I I'm gonna lean Burrow every time on that, but. I did see a lot of this BS last night of right. how he's the greatest college football player of all time. Okay. Are you kidding me? Who are you picking? Bubble, bubble. Are you, he had one good season. Yeah. One yeah. good season. This isn't – Tim Tebow had four good yeah. seasons. And his fir- in his first year, he was behind Chris Leak, and they would just trot him out like a prize trophy animal, score touchdowns and get first downs because he would just run you over. And everybody in the swamp knew what time it was. Yeah, and when you watch Tebow come on the field, you're like, all right, well, he's just going to sneak it, and he's going to, like, he's 40 pounds heavier than whoever. It was, like, Cam, like, esque, like how Cam would just, I was just saying, like, he would just bowl over people. Like, Tebow would do that his freshman year. Um, It's not even close. Like, and it's the same argument I have for Tebow over Cam. And and that that's comments, that argument's had a lot in the SEC. It's not close. Like, you have a guy that played one season, and you have a guy that is a two-time national champion. Granted, the fir- his first national championship, he wasn't the quarterback, but he was a large piece of that team. I don't, like, in a lot of ways, they don't win without Tebow because Tebow scored a lot of touchdowns or got a lot of crucial first time. Tebow came in a lot of crucial spots throughout that year. And then you see him, like, just the way he controlled his team like, and that's so much of college sports is those guys, like, and and Burrow's the same way, like, to his credit, and, and Cam was the same way to his credit, but, like, just, we, like, you've never seen a leader like Tebow. I mean, for God's sakes, when we think about the 2008 Florida Gator football team, you have a murderer starting at tight end, and no one ever mentions him because Tim Tebow was that good. Yeah. So, like, it, it's... It's crazy to me that you could even consider putting Joe Burrow above a Tebow. I I don't that is even that just is asinine to me. Especially when you're talking about a career versus a season. Yeah, yeah, I like agree it, with you. It, it's a little apples to oranges. Now, Joe Joe Burrow started with LSU, and they had Joe Brady from the start, and Emzinger was uh, good from the start. They were, and he's calling plays from the start, and everything just works out. And Joe Burrow has three more years of eligibility. After he just did this, or two more, because his last year too, um, and he does this again for two more years. Yeah, I would say he's the greatest college football quarterback of all time. But he, the facts are, he didn't, and you can't say that a guy who had the most amazing season for sure is you don't that doesn't extrapolate over two more seasons and just magically become the greatest college football player of all time because it's Tim Tebow and it's not even close. Now, if you want to give me like I don't know. Athlete, I would say Bo Jackson. Um, I mean, athlete in any sport, I would say Bo Jackson. Yeah. Like, just period. If you want to give me, like, Herschel Walker or someone who threw up a bunch of yards back in the day um, as one of the greatest players of all time, I, like, that argument is ten times more fair <laughs> than the than the, the Burrow one. I I mean, I'll always ride or die Tebow. But this is, like, that is, that is just crazy to me how fans jump so fast in the moment to take one guy who said – one exceptional season. I'm not going to take anything away from the season. I love watching every second of it. To just say, like, you know what? He would have done this anyway if he had two more years. What if he came out next year and sucked? Yeah. What if he threw 40 interceptions and he had five touchdowns? Like, we don't know. Yeah. But we do know what happened with Tebow, and it was excellent. So, every year he brought it. Yeah, and it was great. And also, Tebow was fighting with Alabama every year, too. So there were those storylines. I mean, he played Sam Bradford, like, I saw this is that was the other thing I saw last night. This is the greatest matchup of college football quarterbacks ever. Trevor Lawrence was trash in this game. Uh, first off, but he ended up going. Speaking of which, yeah, eighteen for thirty. Terrible. That's forty eight percent. And for two hundred thirty four yards, so not yeah, definitely not the best day for him. And he, he was terrible in this game. And then, but so you have Burrow against Lawrence, and it's probably Lawrence is definitely the most hyped up quarterback of all time, um, and rightfully so because he's definitely got all the talent that people says he has. I haven't seen. Anyone say Trevor Lawrence can do something that he hasn't done? Uh, 
and Burrow has been unbelievable this year. Far like way better than anyone else who's playing college football at quarterback position right now. Uh, and you like, but I think people forget too often that you had Tim Tebow and Sam Bradford on the same field. It, like people look past that so much, and you see him back go to uh, Vince Young and and, and Jesus Matt Liner, yes Liner on the same football field. Like great, great, great college football quarterbacks that played each other more than just once. Yeah. So I, like th- that was a bit much for me. That's right. <laughs> and, and like you always see that, but like. I felt like last night, like people really believed it, just because these are, I mean, they're definitely the two best quarterbacks to play each other since Tebow and Bradford. Probably, um, I can't think of any other game that sticks out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, I, I would say this is like right there. They're all on the same level. Those matchup wise, if you want to rate the matchup, right there. We'll get back to Trevor Lawrence. Awful last night. Yeah, you didn't play. And, well. and like the the passes that Lawrence completed were dink and dunk, like throw a screen, drop it over an offensive lineman. He does have really nice touch on screen balls, but honestly, if any quarterback throws enough of them, they can probably all just kind of tip it over an offensive lineman and, and have it be perfectly placed. He was very bad last night. Like, 48% of a national national championship game is god-awful. Yeah. Uh, but you probably won't hear about how bad Trevor Lawrence is outside of maybe the SEC Network this week. Like, It'll be Trevor Lawrence didn't have the best game, and then they'll skip past it. Um, but yeah, it was terrible. Through he had plenty of bad passes, missed wide open receivers at some points. At some points, like LSU's defensive secondary, what are you doing? Yeah, they left guys wide open. Um, the guy, one of the Galladay catches, he he was he's Galloway, wide open. Like, yeah, I was no one standing how he get that open within ten yards. Of him. Yeah. Um, and then when, like so, we see Trevor Lawrence make that throw. And then, which you can't miss. And then you see him miss other wide-open throws. You're like, dude, what are you... Like, he... I don't know if he... I don't think he was nervous. Like, I can't imagine. I just didn't think he had his bad stuff. And he didn't in the Ohio State game either. So I don't really know what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. If you look back at the Ohio State game, Trevor Lawrence's contributions were not made in the air. They were on the ground. And, and I mean, he made a little bit of contribution last night on the ground. 10 carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. But no touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick. Uh, I mean, I guess he did when one one got called back for uh, an offside. Uh, yeah. It was a free play, I think. Yeah, that's what it was. Cause I thought it was pass. I thought they were called for pass interference or something. Like, it, like, might, it might have been pass interference. Oh, one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was just like he w- he was not very good uh, at all. Etn was I average, saw... great in parts. Yeah, and, like once he got in the open field, he was really good. But I looked at the numbers. He had 15 carries to 78 yards and five that, catches for 36. You? I was like, I thought he had 15 or maybe 120 or something like that. I thought he had more yards. It seemed like he had more touches, but then I look at it. That's 20 touches in a game. Okay, that seems like that could be somewhere in the ballpark. Also, I noticed with Trevor Lawrence, a little bit towards the end of the game, whenever they're really just trying to see what they can do, uh, you know, towards the end, you're just trying to piece together anything you can. They were kind of off his page. Like, his receivers run the fly. He would think that he's that the receivers run the comeback. Kind of look at each other like, what are we doing here? And at that time, it's like, so there will be no last-minute comebacks. Yeah, so, the, I mean, like, I don't know who to – that you put that on – I mean, you put that on Trevor Lawrence and his receivers, but that a little bit of that goes to the coaching staff. But like, if you're having miscommunications, like, drive after drive after drive, like, dude, you – I mean – you got to figure something out there. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, I don't know. It just was not not good last night. or like, But he was good. I don't want to jump on the train and say, uh, yeah, he's good in the ACC and he's amazing because they play crap defenses all year, which, I mean, to be fair, they do. Uh, because last year in the semifinal and the final, I mean, he torched both defenses he played. So we know he can be really good this year in the air, at least. It just wasn't like that. And I think a lot of the pat like you go back and watch that game again, because I'm sure it's going to be on for the next 24 hours on ESPN 8 or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, go watch it again. Watch all the passes that uh, Trevor Lawrence completes. He has a few good plays in there, probably five, six, a uh, few really good throws. But a lot of them, his his – those, a lot of those 18 catches are like screen, flip over the tackle to a halfback coming out of the backfield. Um, I mean, like dink and dunk little passes, confidence builders. And he missed a lot of downfield throws last night that he just should not have. 
And if he completes those throws, Clemson is right in this game within, you know, three points at least. Yeah, because if you look at it, like as far as receiving core from uh, LSU's and Clemson, they both are elite as far as I think LSU's tight end, Thaddeus Moss might be a little bit better. He had two touchdowns, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Randy, like we talked about this last night. I'm glad you said this. I'm going to stop here. I love how Randy just goes to the game by himself. Like, I don't, he, he doesn't look like he's with friends or anything. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks like he's sitting with random dudes, like, has, like, a decent seat. Like, it's not a crazy good seat. Like, it's it's in the lower deck. I mean, it's in the first, you know, 15 rows, but he's not, like, sitting in the end zone on the, you know, at the end or something. It looks like Randy just lands, like, hops on his phone, <laughs> like, gets on Ticketmaster, buys a ticket in the lower bowl, and just goes and sits by himself. That's so weird to me, and yeah. it's so, like, Randy Moss. It's just, like, <laughs> kind of his character, and that's, like, just another thing that I love about Randy. But, uh, yeah, like, he's just sitting with, like, regular people. I mean, I don't want to say regular people. He's he's probably sitting with the higher-brow people who have a little money if they're sitting lower deck in the National Championship game, because I imagine his ticket was quite expensive. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, he's just he's just out there in the first deck, just kind of chilling, yep. like just just by himself. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's cool. just like it's like how like you know you think of like you're playing at the park like when you're a kid and and the only one there you know you're a dad you just roll up and watch your kid play and then you grab him and you leave. It's kind of like the same <laughs> thing. It's not like some big production every time. It's just like him and his kid like that's their thing. He just goes watch them by himself and like. He goes home. Yep, and he cheers out. My son scored a touchdown. His son did a little thing where he points to his back so you can see the old Moss thing. But, yeah, so a good game for him. Delpit had that for, that forced fumble, which I thought was big on uh, Trevor Lawrence. And so I'm really excited to see what Delpit turns out to be in the NFL. I feel like – You were right on Stingley. I want to I wanna point that out before you go. Yeah, on. yeah. Uh, Stingley was on Justin Ross all yeah. night. We hired Justin. Justin Ross did have a big play. I heard Justin Ross's name called three times. Yeah. All night. Stingley's locked down. He's a freshman. How often do you see a freshman that can come in like, so you got him for two more years. And then also, you know, a lot of times you have cornerbacks, you throw them, uh, you don't really put cornerbacks for the most part. Some rare situations like Patrick Peterson, and there's one more I can't think of. But they have him returning punts too. So it's like yeah. he has good hands. Yeah. And obviously he's uh, usually a lot of times the cornerback is one of the better athletes on the field. But, yeah, Absolutely. Stingley's big time. Yeah. Um. Dabo's post-game press conferences, for what it's worth, were very good. Uh, Dabo is quite a bit of a complainer. All I heard all week was him whining about how it's in New Orleans and it's not fair um, to because that's basically a home game for LSU. LSU doesn't control where the national championship game is played, and they're not going to move it just because LSU made it. It is crazy now that every time it's played in New Orleans, like LSU's going. Yeah. Um, and they like only win when they're in New Orleans. That is that is just wild. But like LSU just played like Atlanta in the SEC championship game, which was a home game for Georgia. Like there are far more Georgia fans in Atlanta than there are in Athens. Not that there aren't a lot in Athens, just there's a lot more people in Atlanta. Yeah. Um. So, like, there's like it. it I just for as much as he complains, his post game press conference or the words that I saw where he just spoke on LSU were very good. But the, I want to end with this. The 2019 LSU Tigers. I think you could easily consider them to be the greatest college football team of all time. And we have this kind of debate every year and, like, whatever. Like, Clemson's team was really good last year. And LSU did play a team with a worse defense than Clemson's team from last year. But I think LSU wins. I think the year before that, they win. I think the year before that, they win. I think the year before that, they went like they beat the Alabama team from two years ago. They beat the Georgia team who they played in the championship. They beat the Clemson team from the year before that. They beat the Alabama team from the year before that. They beat the Ohio State team from the year before that. I, I really think this is probably the best college football team of all time. You, you beat seven of the top ten AP teams. I mentioned that earlier. You won big road games. You won big home games. Um, you won your neutral site games. You had the Heisman winner, the Politnikoff winner. Uh, their offensive line, I can't remember the name of the award right now, their offensive line won, was, won that award. Um, they got the Thorpe Award winner in Delpit. Uh, played everyone that they could play. I mean, they went to Texas, they played Bama, they played Auburn, they played Florida, they played Georgia, they stomped Georgia, they stomped Oklahoma. Like, the, like literally the only team that they did not play was Ohio State, and it was just because, like, it didn't work out where, like, Clemson 
comes and beat them. Yeah. So, and I would love to honestly see, like, two weeks from now, they just say, screw it, and throw Ohio State out there <laughs> and play an exhibition game. Um, because I don't think Ohio State could beat them. It, it was just crazy how good this team was all year, and they got doubted a lot in the beginning of the year. But they were one of the most fun teams I've ever watched. Uh, watching teams throw the ball downfield like that, and it not just be an air raid offense, they also can, you know, throw Edward, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can, is, can fit right up there with the best running backs in the country. Uh, was crazy all year. Burrow's running, I mean, Burrow can do everything. So, and, like, his sack evasions last night, and Trevor Lawrence, too, were were crazy. Like, the just, like, watching a quarterback, to me, evade pressures is one of the, like, most interesting things you can you can watch. It's one of the most fascinating things you can watch. I'm sitting down watching the Chiefs-Texans game the other night, and or the other afternoon. Deshaun Watson evaded, like, I, I mean, he, I don't, he should have been tackled by three different Chiefs defensive lineman in one play and somehow get out. That is the most fun thing I can watch a quarterback do. Johnny Manziel was, I mean, crazy with it. Yeah. Uh, Lamar was the same way and still is the same way in a lot of ways. Um, Newton would just throw you down. So it's <laughs> like Burrow and Lawrence were both crazy last night with that. But I mean, this this 2019 team, I would pick the only team I would take them o- or take over them is the 2008 Tebow Florida Gators. <laughs> Just because of the Tebow X factor, and after they lost to Ole Miss in that season, and he get remember the speech that Tebow gave, yeah. like you'll never see an, another person work as hard or another team work as hard as we will. Um, that's my promise to you. Thank you, God bless. Like that speech, I, like I don't think you can beat that. Like I don't. That's you got like voodoo magic and Cocho going up against Tim Tebow and all of the heavens. Yeah. So like. It's that would be a crazy game. I wish like I'm. I might have to like fire up NCAA 14 and just go <laughs> just through. Yeah, time. someone's definitely created both of those teams on there and just play play them. But yeah, that would be. That's the only team I take, and I only take them because of Tebow, and I'm I am biased towards Tebow, and I love him. He's he's the greatest college football player of all time. It's always interesting to hear Tebow talk about those old Florida teams, and how aggressive they were. Is that like, I don't even know if they got those guys in that secondary could play in a day football because those no, guys. No, no, they could, oh my they gosh! Could, if it's they would lay you out. If it's cover one and that ball is going to the receiver on the outside, that safety is not trying to get intercepted. When, he is trying to take the living lights out of you, and it's just gonna happen. Most not of only that, can you imagine Brandon Spikes playing in today's college football where they? throw targeting calls. As Kobe called his teammates in LA, y'all guys are soft as Charmin. It'd yeah. be something like that. Brandon Spikes was nasty. That's a Dude. nasty guy. Remember he got in trouble for gouging a Vanderbilt quarterback. I think it was their quarterback. So he like gouging him in yeah, the Yeah, he was Vandy or Georgia. Like, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he, he was... He was a nasty dude. I mean, he still is. They used so, to hit the quarterback at inside. I remember Tim Tebow said, like, uh, one time he was inside. You know what that is. It's like you have offensive linemen, defensive linemen, quarterbacks, and running backs versus the linebackers. Yeah. They used to hit Tebow, and, you know, most time quarters would be like, hey, lay off the quarterback. He was like, let's go. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, cannot spikes. imagine uh, Tebow was instrumental in, in getting Spikes to Florida. You know, it was him and a few other guys that were, were all, like, really going to go to Alabama, and Tebow chose not to go. Um, because they had a quarterback like difference, and, and they were changing coaching staffs around that time. And they went to Florida, and Tebow said, why don't you come to Florida? So Spikes, and I I can't remember who the other ones were, but I knew Spikes was one of them. Like, Tebow's the reason they went to Florida. So Or a major part in it. Like, I'm not the reason. Obviously, they wanted to play for Urban. They wouldn't have went just for Tim Tebow. But, yeah, it, it's, this LSU team this year is awesome. And I know, like, the Booger being the honorary captain last night was hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, he deserves it. He's put out so much publicity for them on Monday Night Football this year. Uh, that was great. Watching watching the swag who Mark Spears on SEC Network have been great. Mark Spears. I'm sure Ryan Clark is about to just I'm sure he handed it out this morning on, on Get Up. <laughs> I, I missed it. But yeah, it, it's it was really good season um for LSU, probably the best of all time. For Coach O. Great. Awesome. Oh, that was my bone to pick. This we'll end on this. OBJ, shut up, dude. What? Like I get he's in the locker room and you're Odell Beckham Jr. and like you're Mr. LSU, but like you like Coach O is giving his post-game speech, and the only thing I can hear the whole time is OBJ in the background, like, throwing up hype words. Like, sh- just shut up, man. <laughs> shut up. Like, you don't play for them anymore. Like, shut up. This did, isn't your team. Let you, these guys enjoy the moment. It doesn't need to be about Odell Beckham Jr. 
when you didn't do anything to help this team win. You gave him some Beats headphones. Did like, you see uh, him dancing out the money that he said was fake money? Like the NCAA is definitely gonna be on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, he's so. It's so. Also, I don't know how they can get Beats headphones from like previous. I don't know how that works. Yeah, because LeBron maybe because they Ohio give it to State everyone as a donation to the team. It's like a bowl like, gift. I, I, assume. Yeah, I think the team has to like issue it to the players. Okay. Like OBJ can't give it to the players. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He can donate. Okay, he that's donates it to the team, and then they can decide what they want to do with okay. it. Okay. All right. That's, that's interesting. Com- that's like a complicated matter, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not not only OBJ. Like you said, oh, yeah, honestly, with LeBron. Same, and I think yeah, I think someone for did it for Clemson, too. Probably so. No, actually, no. No, they didn't. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm just getting Clemson in there because they just played Ohio State. And that was right before that. Yeah, but other teams have definitely done that. But, um, yeah, it was I, – I, I just didn't need to hear OBJ talk in the middle <laughs> of Coach O's, like, there's a time and a place – and seeing him on the sidelines, like, talk with LSU, I'm sure that was really cool for them. Um, and I'm sure it was really cool for OBJ. But there were plenty of other LSU alumni in the building last night in that locker room after. And you didn't hear a word out of them while Coach O was talking. But you hear this loudmouth idiot in the corner. <laughs> like, he's the cousin at the family barbecue that just won't shut up. Like, Look, that's that's him. Odell is great. It's so funny because, like, they all, like, we call him, like, Odell Beckham. They just call him O. And it's, it's like such a name for Odell Beckham. So I'm assuming that you're not with Odell. Is he I, going on your book okay. with I go LeBron? back and forth with Odell. Like, I don't care. No, like, I'm not a big OBJ hater. Like, he he just frustrates me when he does things like this. But <laughs> I don't really, like, I think he's an amazing football player. Like, I loved him when he was in LSU. Like, he was one of my favorite players to watch. And I him and Landry. Right. Like, they're incredible. But I just didn't need to, like, and I don't really, like, have anything against OBJ. I don't care. Like, I'm not, like, a huge fan of his, but I definitely don't hate him. Right. Like, I, I'm indifferent. But I just didn't need to hear that last night. Like, while I'm listening to Coach O, like, <laughs> I want to hear Coach O talk. He's the greatest, like, he's the most fun college football coach of all time, and it's not even close. Like, it, I want to hear him talk to his team, and he's such an emotional guy already. Like, I don't need you in the background going, you did this every 30 seconds. Like, that's what he's screaming to. Oh, like, and it, I feel like if you, there were some LSU players in the building that were probably the same that were just like, shut up, dude. Like, you ain't been in the locker room with us all year. We want our chance uh, with Coach for one last talk, one last post game. That is hilarious. I didn't. I had to go back and look at yeah, that. You, you, you did this, Odell. <laughs> Please. Yeah, it, it was crazy. All right, we're, we're, we definitely ran – a little long in this one, but that's fine. Who cares? This national championship game. Um, we will see you Friday, hopefully with a very special, special guest. Um, and then we've got some inter- interesting things coming up. Um, we know this is a weird drop, but we wanted to do this for the college football national championship. We're going to do something similar for the Super Bowl, but except for the S- Super Bowl, uh, we won't drop a Monday episode. We will record on Monday, and we will drop on Tuesday. Uh, but that's still a couple weeks coming away and then we'll have a big Super Bowl uh pre-show with another guest on for that one um a recurring guest I guess if we get if we get him back um and you'll know when you hear it but yeah it's really get um we're getting down to the end of NFL as well big games coming up this week we'll talk about all of that on Friday and we'll talk about a bunch more and I think that's it. Go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block or follow Matthew at Math Chosen one with the numeral one. Go follow myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Um, make sure you follow, subscribe, leave a review, rate five stars, uh, tell your friends, do everything you can for us. We'll appreciate it. Um, that's it from us. You got anything else? No, that's all. Oh, thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Can't forget that. Never, never do. All right, we'll see you Friday. Peace. Go Tigers! This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.